Welcome to Dirt NC, where we talk all about the places and spaces of North Carolina and the people who make them awesome. I'm your host, Jed Byrne. Throughout my career in real estate development, finance, commercial brokerage, engineering, and construction, I have covered just about all facets of the real estate and land use ecosystem. This show is an opportunity to not only share what I've learned with you, but to also introduce you to my friends who are doing truly transformative work and sharing their stories. With each episode of Dirt NC, my goal is simple. I want you to walk away learning something new about land use. I promise to keep it simple and straight to the point. If you ever have any questions for me, feel free to reach out on Twitter at OakCityCRE. Now let's jump in. All right, so today is part of our Real Estate 101 series. We're going to be talking all about multifamily. And we're going to go over the types of multifamily that are out there, sizes, styles, uh, talk about different amenity types and packages, different features of the units. We're going to go through some classification of multifamily. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with a discussion on location and pricing. And I'm going to use actual Raleigh examples uh, from data that I recently pulled. So to start off, multifamily is uh, rental housing, for lack of a better word, that is more than one unit on a property. So on the small scale, that can be anything from two to four units, a duplex, triplex, or quad. The, the first breakpoint in size of multifamily properties comes at the number between four and five because four and under, typically, you're allowed to get a traditional conventional mortgage if you're purchasing a quad, a triplex, or a duplex. If you're buying five units or above, you are not able to get traditional mortgage financing like you would for a single-family home. And so that's kind of the first breakpoint. So five to 200 units is what I would consider kind of large-scale multifamily, and that can have many different forms. Above 200 units, you're really getting into institutional multifamily, which just kind of talks not only about the size and quality of the projects, but it really has to do with the overall size and, and value of the total apartment complex. And this is where you're going to have institutional or professional investment firms purchasing and selling these assets. And the reason there really basically boils down to the fact that if you're a a large scale fund with hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in assets under management, you really can't afford from a time perspective to make investments that are small. And so when you're writing an acquisition check, it needs to be, you know, 10 or more million dollars per deal because the amount of time it takes to underwrite and analyze a 50-unit apartment complex is the same it takes to do a 300-unit apartment complex. And so for the same amount of work for you time-wise, you'd rather deploy more capital. So that's, again, where institutional multifamily comes into play. And of course, within multifamily, you've got all sorts of things that we're not going to talk about today. You've got condos, you've got townhomes, you've got single-family for rent, you've got student housing, but I'm really going to focus on rental apartments. Within the rental apartments, you have different sizes of units. And so you'll have studio, which really just means kind of one bed, but you don't have a bedroom. So there's no wall dividing the bed and the rest of the unit. A one bedroom apartment, two bedroom apartment, three bedroom. Sometimes you'll have four or more in student apartment uh, units, but usually it'll be studio one, two, or three. And then of course, in some projects, you'll see uh, rental townhomes within a larger multifamily development. There's also different styles of multifamily projects. So again, you have kind of smaller units with exterior entry where you're walking directly into the unit from the outside. You also have units where you have an interior entry. So you walk into a main door and that opens up to several units inside kind of a corridor or main entry lobby. You can walk upstairs to additional units. And again, that's on the small scale. So when you're talking two to four units, 
those are kind of the types that you'll see. On the larger and institutional quality, you have garden-style apartments, which really just talks about the fact that they are typically walk-up units. So they'll be one, two, or three-story apartment buildings, and they typically have surface parking. So you will not see structured parking in a garden-style project, but you can have uh, exterior entry, you can have corridors. Typically, they're open corridors because those are less expensive. You don't have to heat and cool the corridors, so you have less operating expense on garden-style apartments. You can also have on larger apartments uh, interior corridors with elevators. And so again, if you are going to put an elevator in the building and spend that money, you're typically going to have nicer finishes. And so your tenants will want to be able to walk into the building. And then as soon as they're inside, they're inside a building. So there's no access to the exterior. You'll have conditioned corridors, closed off corridors. It's dry, it's comfortable, it's safer. Uh, so that's kind of the interior corridor model with an elevator. As you get bigger and bigger, or really as the sites get smaller and smaller and denser, you will get into structured parking, which is a parking deck or parking garage. And you can have a podium-style apartment complex, which is typically four to five stories of apartments above a concrete podium. So that first level is concrete structure, and you can have retail, or it can be uh, units as well. And everything above the concrete is going to be wood-framed. And again, wood-frame is kind of limited to three, four, and five stories of construction. So you don't see, you'll see six-story apartment buildings that have wood frame, but the wood framing is really only the top five floors or fewer. You do not see six or more uh, locally framed out of wood. Above six stories, you get into concrete and steel. When we talk about these different types of um, institutional assets, there's also something called the, the Texas Donut or the Dallas Donut, and that's just a design style where you have either a podium or four or five stories of stick, stick built multifamily that wraps around the parking deck. So the parking deck is the middle, is the hole of the donut, and then the apartments completely surround. So that's called the Texas Donut or the Dallas Donut, and that's just one style. It's the same, you know, density, but it's just different from um, other types of institutional designs. And then you can also have mid-rise and high-rise. So again, that's, I would call, six or more stories as a mid-rise and then high-rises you know, 15 and up. I don't know that there's really any technical classifications for what's different between a, a mid-rise and high-rise, but if somebody knows about one, please reach out and let me know, because that's been a question of mine for some time. Next, we'll talk about some amenities in multifamily, and this is just kind of a, a smattering of different options that you'll see out there, but I wanted to give you a sense of, of kind of how multifamily units can be differentiated from one another. Again, this goes back to what you'll see in rent costs and kind of what you'll what what benefit you'll get out of living in a different apartment community. So, sometimes you have common laundry, which means that multiple units share a single set of laundry facilities. Sometimes you'll have in-unit laundry, washer and dryer. You can have on-site management and maintenance, which is helpful if you have a problem in the middle of the night. You can call your maintenance; they're nearby; they can come and fix it. Um, on smaller projects, oftentimes you will see off-site management and off-site maintenance because there aren't enough units to necessitate or kind of pay for a single maintenance person or a single property manager. So a single property manager can handle three to 600 apartments at a time. And so if you've only got 100, usually you won't see on-site property management or maintenance. Of course, you can have a pool, fitness center, concierge services, package center, dog care and grooming facilities, a dog park on the outside or inside. You can have club room, you can have golf simulators or putt-putt 
You can have Wi-Fi throughout the facilities and at the amenity areas or cable included with your unit. I typically don't like that as an aside. Uh, I've often had issues where I wish I didn't have the cable or didn't have to pay for it, but it's just included in the unit. You don't have the option to unbundle the cable. So that's just a, a little tick for me. I just don't like when the cable's included because usually I'd rather not pay for it, but I don't get the opportunity. If I don't want the cable, I still pay the same rent. Now more and more you're seeing electric car charging in multifamily projects, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue as people get more and more electric cars. They need to charge them when they're at home overnight. That's the longest time that they're in one place at you know every day, and so you'll see more and more of this. You've also got the opportunity to have security or front desk. Again, if you have an interior entry or a lobby, that makes a lot more sense. Typically on garden-style apartments or where you have exterior entry, you don't have security just because the, the buildings themselves um, the first layer of security is the front door of the apartment. On urban and places where you have a view, you can have a sky lounge or outdoor terrace that is an amenity area. You can also have retail and mixed use within the building, so you can have things that aren't residential units within your project or development. And you can have garages for cars and storage for stuff. When it comes to features that often differentiate individual apartment units, I think the first place that you see differentiation is in the kitchen. So you'll have upgraded appliances, you'll have nicer finishes, stainless steel instead of black or white finishes on the appliance, or you can just have much nicer, higher quality appliances. You can also have specialty appliances like a wine cooler, which again are above and beyond the typical microwave, refrigerator, freezer, and dishwasher and oven. Wall finishes can also be an improvement where you have smoother walls or nicer paint finishes. Um, the rougher the texture of a wall, typically the less expensive it is to construct. And so that's, again, an area that you can see uh, nicer finishes. Same thing with floors, hardwood floors or laminated vital tile floors, uh, which are kind of synthetic, made to look like wood. They're more durable and more noise resistant, which is a nice feature in an apartment. But those are floor upgrades, appliance upgrades we've talked about. Closet upgrades, so you can have built-in closet units. And um, there's a whole host of different ways that apartment developers will try and differentiate their units. When it comes to pricing and location, I just did a quick search on apartments.com to kind of get a sense of where the market is. I haven't rented for a handful of years and so, or been in the, the multifamily development space for a handful of years, and so my numbers are a little bit rusty. But for the the price differentiation, again, depending on amenities, depending on location, depending on finishes, you really kind of have three buckets of institutional assets. So again, things run the gamut when you're talking about smaller projects, large-scale projects, again, 20 to 150 or 200 units um, can kind of run the gamut. Uh, but as you get larger, you really start to see three kind of flavors of multifamily, and they, they typically class them out as A, B, and C. So A is going to be top of market. B is going to be older top of market uh, stuff. So still newer, but not as nice as the newest, the biggest, and the best. And then class C is really where you get into uh, units that are older, um, 30 or 40 years or more. Typically, those are garden style. Typically, they're two stories, walk-up units. Um, and again, that'll be your least expensive and then going on up to class A, which will be your most expensive. So if you're looking at class C apartments, typically those will be found on the outskirts of town. So in Raleigh, that's Southwest Raleigh, Northeast Raleigh and Northwest Raleigh. And looking at kind of typical class C two bedroom pricing, I was seeing anywhere from 800 to $1,100 a month for a two bedroom. Class B, again, those are institutional quality assets. Those are going to be 
10 to 15 years old. They're not going to have the nicest finishes. They're not going to have the top end appliances or the top end amenities. Those are going to run for a two bedroom about $1,300 to $2,000 a month. And a lot of those are concentrated right around the Beltline. Again, that's where there's the best access to jobs and it's the easiest to get around town depending on where you work or where you want to uh, play or shop. And then lastly, Class A. Most of these projects you'll find downtown inside the Beltline and two-bedroom rents can be anywhere from $2,000 and up per month. Again, this is for the nicest finishes, the best locations, and the best amenity packages. Um, this is where you're going to find high-rise apartments and mid-rise apartments that have security and concierge, the golf simulators, and again, the, the best of the best. And that's looking at, at $2,000 and up per month. And the last thing I want to talk about that is kind of a new conversation that's been going on for the last couple of years is this idea of missing middle housing. So typically in cities like Raleigh, as housing gets built, it's it's kind of one of two things. In the last 20 years, it's been single family homes or institutional multifamily. So again, that's 300 units or one unit in a project. And the reason for this is we used to have, and, and still do, all sorts of other types of housing. Again, it's the duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, small cottage courts, um, accessory dwelling units behind other units, uh, apartment units in the basement or garage of an existing single family home. And over the years, those uh, different types of housing have kind of been regulated out of existence. And in some cases, they're actually illegal to build. And so what you've wound up with is, is a mode where people want to live in all sorts of different places, but what gets built is really one of two things, institutional quality, multifamily, large-scale development, or single-family homes. And again, there's nothing wrong with either of those two things, but we're just really seeing a lack of diversity. And so this kind of missing middle conversation has, has cropped up in recent years where cities and people are trying to make it um, possible really to, to develop and build types of housing that aren't one of those two kind of extremes, the really big multifamily or the small single family homes. And so part of that is kind of changing in the conversation in Raleigh. We've just had text change um, amendments to our UDO unified development ordinance that will allow for duplexes and triplexes. And we've also had a, a very sweeping conversation about accessory dwelling units where you can build a small home attached to or behind or in front of really an existing single family property. And so again, I think these conversations are going to be good as it allows for a greater diversity of housing stock moving forward that hopefully better matches the demands that um, people want in their housing choices that they just haven't been getting. So that again is, is kind of the missing middle, which really isn't necessarily a multifamily conversation, but is absolutely part of it. And lastly, I, I did want to reach out and ask if, if you're listening and you have a, a recent multifamily rental story, I'd love to hear it. So just kind of what is the most recent uh, Raleigh multifamily experience that you've had? I'd love to hear about it. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Oak City CRE. As always, I'm so grateful that you've chosen to share this time with me. If you ever have any questions about Dirt NC or any land use related issues, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Oak City CRE. Also, if you're looking for a simple and straight-to-the-point weekly update on commercial development in Raleigh, you can subscribe to my newsletter at www.oakcitycre.com. Until next time, thank you.